My name is Peter, a recovered alcoholic. <laughs> Grateful to be alive and sober and part of a sacred place called Alcoholics Anonymous. I thank James for that long and lengthy introduction. Appreciate it. Uh, God separated me from alcohol June 23rd, 1988, and uh, I'm a recovered alcoholic. You guys here okay with this? I'm a sound guy, too. All right. How's that better? Yeah. Good? Okay, good. Um, June 23rd, 1988, I was separated from alcohol for the last time um, by God. Um, I had tried quitting many times, and uh, I kept getting drunk. I think I shared last week, I tried putting the plug in the jug,、uh, kept getting drunk. I tried changing my environment,、uh, had warnings of a doctor, I had relationship, no relationships, money, no money, and no matter what the circumstances were, I kept getting drunk. But something happens when we, and I speak for myself, when we get to a point of not only a surrender at a gut level, With no reservations, a lurking notion, no attachments, no if I get sober, this will happen, but a complete surrender as I was June 23, 1988, and begging for mercy. And in that place, I wind up asking for forgiveness. Forgive me for all I've done wrong, and I'm done with running the show. Now, the words were pure, but really our actions are what make the words credible. And my, my words of begging for mercy, take me from this, I don't want to die, were followed up with actions. And the actions were I was taking direction from the people who walked this path before me. In step one, it says, Remove our pals over our lives as a dash, and our lives have become unmanageable. And what can happen, happen to me, what can happen to us, that dash kind of flips up and becomes a wall. And we have a separation between the seven. And what it looks like is this. Well, I'm not drinking today, and we settled for that. Even though the rest of our life appears to be completely unmanageable from an internal perspective and an outside one. We're still, I, I'm still the same alcoholic I was, but I just don't have alcohol in me. I'm still lying, I'm still cheating, I'm still manipulative, I'm still deceitful. I'm still lazy, I'm full of angry, I'm full of salt, seven deadly sins. I just haven't put a drink in me yet. And many times we can settle for, I'm just not drinking. I admit it, I, I, my, I, my life's unmanageable, but I'm not drinking, so suddenly it appears to be manageable, which is one of the biggest delusions that we can walk around with and eventually we'll drink and die. So, what do I do about this? Because just not drinking is the beginning. I didn't know that coming into Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, there, were, there was one time in treatment I was separated、uh, for nine weeks from alcohol, and I was drunk two days later. And it's interesting, on the way into that treatment center,、uh, I had a powerful desire not to drink again. I made a firm resolution. I made lots of promises to my family that said, I'm done, I'm not drinking again. And two days later, when I got the, the uh, uh, took in some air outside the treatment center, anyone's been in treatment knows you're Moses in treatment until you hit the airport and everything changes.、Right? Until the cab picks you up and you're on your way home and suddenly, you know, a drink would be good to celebrate my homecoming. Everything feels different. And so nine weeks in treatment, I was drunk two days later. I wasn't drinking in treatment. I wasn't using any other substances in treatment. 
but I was still suffering from alcoholism. And my thinking at the time was, I'm great, I'm gold, I haven't had a drink in nine weeks, I'm ready to take the world by storm. And what followed out the door, what followed me out the door was my alcoholism. And I've seen many people go down the tubes in AA because they get stuck on the second half of the first step. And that dash becomes a wall. And I don't need God because I'm not drinking. I'm making meetings and meeting makers, we all know, make it right, wrong. I have a popular sponsor, I make lots of coffee, I work and I have a girlfriend, I have a boyfriend, whatever it might be. And suddenly the external conditions appear to be getting better. And let's face it, if we're not drinking, it has to get a little bit better. I mean, we become employable at some point. We're probably bathing regularly, so we're okay to be around. We're probably eating. I mean, from outward appearances, Joe's not drunk. But for me, I was more dangerous sober than I was drinking. So why is my life unmanageable, and why do I need this power called God? Because if I don't turn my will and life over to care of God, my illness will take it right back. And the problem is in the mind. So when I get to a place, and I get to a place, out there before I got into Alcoholics Anonymous, of my condition, what's my truth? Now I can point, I could point, and I did, to a lot of things. Mom committing suicide with a <coughs> Mom being an alcoholic and addict. Me having no relationship with my dad. My dad being a man's man, a real tough guy, and I'm not like that. You know, a lot of the issues I suffered from, my own little horror stories growing up, fear-based, insecure, dysfunctional family, whatever therapeutic word you want to stick on it, great. At the end of the day, I was drinking. Now, all those things perhaps contribute, but the number one reason why I'm alcoholic because of a threefold illness. I have an obsession in the mind, phenomenon called craving, a spiritual malady, and going to meetings was not going to treat that. Going to treatment was not going to treat that. Sitting with a therapist was not going to treat that. Tweet that, it would give me some awareness, some insight into the inner workings of my mind, and then I need a drink for sure. <laughs> I hear so many people say, I need to find myself, and I always say, do you really want to do that? <laughs> it's really not a good idea. And then we look to find ourselves, you know what we're really finding? What the ego has constructed. I want to find myself. None of us want to find this unpleasant, miserable, sad sack of a drunk. What we want to find is what the ego created. I want to find myself, which means I want to find this loving, caring, wonderful individual that would make a great partner for someone who's going to be rich someday, who has a novel and I'm going to write a book, bestseller, and all these great things. That's how we want to really find ourselves. We want to be the most attractive, the best to look, and when I find myself, it's going to be utopia. It's not going to happen. Perhaps on the way to finding myself means I'm going back to the bar and drinking away. And in the bottom of that bottle, I might find myself. And the easiest way to do this is to find out what we are not. I don't need to find myself. God created me already. And I walk around with this false self. The one the ego constructs. The one the mind constructs. Where the main problem is. Carl Young told Roland Hazzy, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. And who lives in my mind and has free room and board is my ego. And the ego doesn't want God showing up anywhere in the neighborhood. The ego wants no part of the 12 steps. The ego wants no part of wellness or stillness or God. The ego wants to run the show and keep God out. And the ego will construct for me what my life should be like. And God had a completely different journey for me, has a different path laid out for me. So I find out what I am not, 
And that's the false self that the mind has created. The false self tells me, hey, you can have a Jack Daniels, it's okay. You're not that alcoholic. I'm a heavy social drinker with alcoholic overtones, that's it. <laughs> Some guy just went, that's me, I don't need this place enough. <laughs> 43 pages in my big book, my sponsor sat down with me and went through doctor's opinion, and 43 pages in the first in the first step to show me what I suffer from. And I, all the questions he always asked was, Peter, based on your experience, did you drink like this? Based on your experience, did you have an obsession of the mind? And we always like to answer questions based on my experience. It gets the ego out of the way. I can't lie. Here's my experience in black and white. Did you drink heavy? The ego kicks in and says, well, sometimes. Peter, based on your experience, did you drink like an alcoholic, had a threefold illness? Yeah. And sometimes it's really great. Newcomers like to answer right away. I was taught, don't answer right away. Sit with the question, because the learning is in the space between the question and the answer. Listen to the sounds between the words. Someone speaks. That's where the truth lies. It gets the ego out of the way. Okay, God, what's my experience? Yeah, I'm an alcoholic based on my experience. Okay, let's keep moving. 43 pages in my book, just to slam home to me the hopeless feature of this condition called alcoholism. Ideas, attitudes, and emotions were once my guiding forces. I have to cast aside for a new set of conceptions which will drive me. And those are the God conceptions. Those are the new conceptions. Those are the new eyes, ears, and words I speak, and my actions resemble that. Because we can talk a great sermon in AA. We're the best at it. And steal your car when I go home. So everything I came into Alcoholics Synonymous with had to be lost. Everything I thought was me or who my real self was had to be lost. It's a school of unlearning in AA. A lot of this is unlearning. All the belief systems I came into AA with, all my ideas about God, all my ideas about heaven, all my ideas about hell, all my ideas what recovery is supposed to look like, what my life is supposed to look like, wrong. You know why? Because my mind fed it to me. And anything the mind comes up with is wrong. It isn't until I get to the 11th step when it says, well, my thinking is cleared of wrong motives. My thought life is placed on a much higher plane, higher plane, the God plane. I have a renewal of the mind to the emptying out of me, the purging of me, the death of self before the physical death. This is a must. This is the narrow road. So if I'm hanging around AA and I'm joyous, happy, and free, great, I'm not here to change it. If you're hanging around Alcoholics Anonymous and you're waiting for something to click and you haven't gone to God and you haven't gone to the big book, why wait? Why continue to suffer when we're in a place called Alcoholics Anonymous that will give us utopia? Bill talked about it. And we hang around. And I'll, I'll go on in a limb here, maybe ruffle some feathers. If you're a real alcoholic or the, the, the real addict, and your sponsor is not taking you through the big book, or is telling you don't need the steps yet, wait, get a new sponsor, because you're going to die. Okay? And then they'll kick back and say, he didn't want it, she didn't want it. They're sitting in Alcoholics Anonymous, they want it. Wait for the miracle to happen, you're sitting in a meeting of AA, the miracle has happened. What am I doing to get my soul food? Okay? We'll spend 45 minutes picking out the right shirt, making sure the pants are pleated. Well, the hair's okay to do, that's all right. That's all right. 
We'll look really good. Make sure we get down to the beach, get a tan, because there's going to be women at the meeting tonight, so i got to look good, right? The girls get the earrings in, match everything, right? We spend all this time, so we look good. How are you doing with God? I prayed on the way to work. <laughs> Is it possible everything's upside down? Like, forget how I care. Forget, not so, let me not care so much how I look. Get my relationship with God right. It's interesting, when my relationship with God is right, everything falls into place. The things that I thought were so important are not so important. And the fears that I currently have are grinded into dust. Here's a great question. How much fear did anyone have this week? Since last Tuesday when we meet till tonight, how much fear were you walking around with? A lot means you need God. Because anytime I have fear, God's missing from that equation. And if I have fear, self-reliance is kicked in, which means current agnosticism is at play, which means my life is currently unmanageable. That's a great way to live. Who of us from last Tuesday had no fear? Or fear showed up, we didn't hook into it and ride it like we usually do. Here comes fear, have a nice day, I'm keeping moving. How many of us had no fear since last week? It's probably because of our spiritual condition. And that doesn't mean that life is clicking for us. That doesn't mean life is not problematic because it is. But how do I navigate through that? Am I walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe? Am I experiencing oneness with God here? Or is it me and God? See that me and peace? That means there's the duality, the separation. There is no end. Me and God, one. You and God, one, which means you and I are connected. Why is there fear? There's no fear. I had to get leveled in, in step one on the way into Alcoholics Anonymous and get leveled some more when my sponsor took me to the big book where I really felt painted into a corner and there was no way out. And I was shown from my own experience what the book talks about. Step one tells me I'm drinking and there is no way out. I hear folks say, I can't, he can, I think I'll let him. No, I am. I'm going to drink. As an alcoholic, 25 years sober, I will drink in an hour from now if my spiritual condition isn't right. If I start to go sideways and start to get sick, I will start to probably act out a whole lot, start to get real dishonest, drift away from you. I have this secret sex life, I have this secret life that you can't see. I'll front really well, and at some point, I need a drink just to get some relief. And it happens that quick. The illness will not announce its arrival or tell me, listen, about a week, get ready, because I'm coming in. It just won't do it. Ask any chronic relapser, and they'll confirm what I just said. Sometimes, sometimes the drunk is premeditated. I'm going. And other times we're coming home from a meeting, and instead of making a right to go home, we make a left into the bar or the crack house. And what about the strange mental blind spot? Where we come out emerging uh, remorse with the firm resolution I, not to go back in. We wonder, how did that happen? That wasn't the plan. I just left my home group. My plan was to go home to my wife and kids, and somehow I'm in a crack house tonight. I'm back at the bar. I'm in a liquor store. How did this happen? It happened way before you picked up. That's unmanageability. A lot of us think that the relapse is when I pick up a drink. When I pick up a drink, the relapse is over. I'm on a drunk. I'm on a run. The relapse happened two, three, four weeks ago when we're going sideways. Constant vigilance, constantly getting my soul food. And I was shown this. 
I felt painted into a corner when I got here, and a good sponsor drove me through a wall, so I was basically uh, duct taped to a chair with no way out. I learned no power, choice, or control. Same thing in the mind before I drink and in the body after I drink. Now what do I do? You're telling me in 43 pages, I'm doomed to drink. Well, I can talk about my dysfunctional family. I can talk about my parents. I can talk about my children. I can talk about all my hardship. Everyone has a cross to bear. I'm still alcoholic. I can process my feelings from now till the end of time. I'm still alcoholic, and I will get a drink. And when I find out who I really am, I'll need a double. And we'll do all this research. I did. Lots of books in a drunken stupor, in and out of treatment, going to priests, going to therapists. But God forbid I should surrender to a loving God who's begging to put me back together again. And I had to go down a path of daily humiliation and degradation and doing things I never thought I would ever do for the price of a drink. Doing things in the lifestyle that I never thought I would do. And I would come out with more shame, more embarrassment, more self-loathing and then dying looked like a good way to go. I can't do this. I'm a failure as a man. I'm a failure as a human being. And God wants no part of me. I've let everyone down. June 23rd, 19th, and I beg, please take me from this. Beg for mercy. Beg for forgiveness. And God gave me Shangri-La. He says, hey, I, I didn't need a therapist anymore. I went to detox to get cleaned up. They kept me in treatment. and shipped me off to a half house, three-quarter house, and sober house. And all that meant for me was I'm willing to follow direction. No more AMA, no more writing the script, no more in control. I want no control of my life. 25 years later, I want no control. I don't want anything to do with my life. I don't even look for balance anymore. A lot of folks are like, Pete, how do you get balance? I just don't get balance. It'll be unbalanced. <laughs> Who's balancing my life? Me. That's not good. Where's the balance coming from? The same mind that wants me drunk. Life of invitation, suddenly I have balance. Tuesday night at around 7.30, I come here. I have a commitment for 12 weeks. Okay, my Tuesday night's taken care of. What do I do from during the day? I work. Okay, got to be in the morning. Same time I go home. What do I do at work? I visit with clients. I see my boss. There's chores to do. When I get home, I have a rest time. I have a prayer and meditation time. Get here. Tonight I'll go home, have dinner, go to sleep. Tomorrow morning's a new day. What's God inviting me into? Who's inviting me into life? There's my balance to figure it out. I got my weekend plan. My dad's in town. Let's go to dinner. Okay, I'll meet you for dinner. Saturday night's done. I don't have to figure anything out. Don't have to figure anything out. Keep my mind out the door. And what happens is we start to become God-inspired. I think I have thoughts, the thoughts have me, and I'm a hostage to my mind rather than a host to God. It all begins right in step one, my willingness to do anything, my willingness to go to any lens. When, a drunk, when I ask a drunk, are you willing to go to any lens, and there's a pause, that means no. The ego kicked in and says, now what does he mean by this? I'm not giving up my Mercedes Benz. I'm not giving up my girlfriend, I'm definitely not giving up my money, then you're not ready. Let go, book says absolutely. Besides, whose car, whose money, and whose relationship is it really? Right? I have a job, it's God's job. I have, a, I have some money, it's God's money. The car I drive is God's car. Take my hands off the wheel. But that, that, that didn't happen in six treatment centers. 
There were conditions on everything I said, everything you said, everything I did, everything you did. Because I was still viewing the world through an alcoholic mind, a very sick mind. And I would try to think the drink through, play the tape to the end, I got drunk. June 23rd, 1980, there was a shift, an internal shift in consciousness within me that allowed me for, for the first time in my life to peek over the fence. And suddenly I was attracted to men in Alcoholics Anonymous who were walking the walk, who weren't afraid to talk about God. I didn't look at them as weak and cowardly. I looked at them as heroes, powers of example. And then something else happened in my willingness to get well. I wasn't so afraid about anting up, about telling you some stuff that I normally wouldn't give up. I'm afraid today. I want to drink today. I'm angry today. I'm greedy today. I'm lustful today. Please, this is going to kill me. How did you get out? That was changing. I was starting to do things like that. I didn't care how I sounded. I didn't care what I looked like. I don't want to drink. If I drink, I'm going to die. They pointed me to chapter to agnostics where I found out about step two. And chapter to agnostics, great piece of spiritual literature. It tells me how, where, and why to find God. The great reality is deep down within. I don't have to reach out there. Deep down within me is God. The spirit of God is in the drunk who's drinking tonight and the crackhead in the crack house and the dope in some in some alleyway. Just as much God in them as me, as all of us. The difference is the integration, the relationship is different. But the great reality is deep down within, God gave us his DNA. We inherit God's kingdom when we're born. It's our inheritance. Oh, God forbid we should talk about that in Alcoholics Anonymous. Some of us might get well. Let's hide God in the big book, in the back, the inner sanctum for only certain people. And it's for the families too, because our book says we are sure it has its advantages for all, our Alanons. God is God. How? Lay aside prejudice and express a willingness to believe in this power. My first step drove me into step two. My first step drove me into I'm willing. And in a mustard seed of willingness, we can move a mountain. And chapter two agnostics over and over and over again, it says just lay aside old ideas. We're not saying they're right or wrong, just lay them aside. There's a great prayer work with God, please let me lay aside everything I think I know about the big book, the 12 steps, AA, and you, God, for an open mind and new experience. God, please let me see my truth. I just got me out of the way. And why? When I see other people living this life and have a sense of purpose and direction, I can't deny the existence of God in their life. When I see a drunk come into AA and I hear their story and I see where they are now, my eyes can't deny what I'm looking at. My ears can't deny what I'm hearing. Another drunk bear witness. For me, I think I said last week, my, my road to recovery began not with my first step, but with someone's 12-step call to me and pulled me ashore. And then they walked the walk. Lay aside prejudice. What are my ideas about this power called God? And I had lots of problems with God. And a, a, a wonderful man in AA says, why are you going to meetings? Because I need to be there because I'm an alcoholic. And you depend on what they say, absolutely. So you're getting good, orderly direction from a group of drunks, G-O-D. I say, yeah, I can get that. That's tangible for now. 
I can sit with Joe the old time and a few other old timers, sit next to them, they give me direction, death sober. I'm going to lean on those guys. That was my conception of God. Book says, good enough, let's go. Have no conception, but you're willing, we're on our way. Just willingness. Again, I go back to my first step. If I'm having a problem with God, if I still think I can run this show myself, then I'm not going to experience what they're talking about in two and three. But if I'm completely done as I was in June of 88, there was nowhere else to turn. No matter what God was going to be, it had to be better than what I was doing to me in my life. And how it was infecting and hurting other people. So I took a shot. I tell the dope fiends, how many times did you put something in your arm that you know what it was? Yeah. What color was that? Blue pill? Give me half a dozen. I don't care. Just give them to me. <laughs> we didn't do due diligence on our drug use. But when it comes to God, i got to get back to you, give me the financial report, I'll go over God in the morning. We come in here, livers beat up, we're 50 pounds underweight, some of us got track marks from here to Timbuktu, we got 55 treatment centers, jail sentences, we're falling apart, the wife threw us out, the parents were nothing to do us, they said we got a solution, it's called God, I don't know about that. It's bizarre. Because the ego is still running the game. Here's what's interesting. If what I'm saying is disturbing you, how come? You know why? Because your ego is still running the game. It's getting uncomfortable with this. Oh, he's going to talk about this stuff. I got to. What time is it? I got to go. Came to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. It's an arrival. I'm going to get to this place, and God's going to determine how long that's going to take and the path to which we get there through the 12 steps. It's an arrival. Came to believe. They're looking back and saying, hey, we came to believe that this power restored us to wholeness of mind, sanity, truth, God. And for me as an alcoholic, if I have to be restored to sanity, I must be insane somewhere. And it wasn't what I was doing when I was on a drunk. It was being stone cold sober and thinking it's going to be different when I pick up a drink. Or perhaps there's no thought involved and I get this strange mental blind spot. It's repeating the same thing over expecting different results. I need to be pulled out of that and live in truth. The problem is when I get there and I know the drink is going to kill me and I'm raw without my medicine. I'm either going to run to God or run back to a drink again because I need comfort. I need a sense of ease and comfort. And I need to get a sense of ease and comfort from God or I will go back to what I always did, drinking, drugging, sex, food, money, you name it. And it sneaks up on you. Sneaks up on you like a predator in the backyard and then kicks the door open and you're done. I was done every time. My illness has absolutely no mercy on me. Zero. And my illness has absolutely no mercy on my family. My illness has no mercy on my mother, and it took her. Had no mercy on my dad. Had no mercy on anyone. Why would I come into AA and be nice to my addiction, be nice to my illness, and do 90 meetings in 90 days and hope for the miracle to happen? I'm playing with my life. And I learned firsthand, when I die because of an overdose or a car crash from drinking and drugging, you know who weeps forever? The people who love me. How selfish do I want to be when I'm given AA and I'm hanging around? Hmm? Came to believe that a power greater myself could restore me to joy, to love, to peace, to integrity, to contentment, 
Am I willing to turn over to this God? In chapter 2, Gnostics, it says, God's everything or else he is nothing. And then they're very delicate with this. They say, what's our choice to be? Everything means everything. Everything is not just my drink problem, but God, I got the sex and the money. Don't touch it. Everything is everything. And they're setting us up for step three when we turn our will and life over to God. My thinking and my actions is everything, everything, or is it some things? They ask me that, agnostics, what's my choice to be? My sponsor asked me that question, and I said to him, everything. Which meant it was the beginning of my life no longer being any of my business. And quite frankly, again, my first step drove me right through that hoop because I didn't want it to be my business. Based on my experience, my life was a train wreck. I drink to live life on life's terms. I don't live life on life's terms. I encourage everyone not to live life on life's terms. Life on life's terms means my terms, and based on my experience, that's not a good track record. Life on God's terms is simple, easy, and open. There are no conditions other than worship Him, and He'll allow us to worship each other. And sobriety is right in the middle of that one. Based on my experience, how do I do living life on life's terms? Terrible. Seven treatment centers. Locked up too many times, homeless for too long, busted relationships. I was never loyal in a relationship. I had no integrity. I panhandled. I did a lot of ugly things. This is how I live life on life. Since I need a drink just to breathe. Walk into a room this big, I'm going to be way in the back with a double in my hand. You know how we are. You ever see this? The buffer? Always got a drink between me and you. Walk around and parties like this. Got to have a drink. Here's just something. God forbid I put it down and put my hands by my side and talk. I got no buffer. Oh, my God. Give me a drink, quick. Walk with God, everything changes. So chapter 2, Gnostics tells me how, where, and why to find God. Is God going to be everything or nothing? What's my choice to be? And for the first time, perhaps for many of us, I was one of them, I'm going outside of my mind and I get to see how limited I made God, how I put God in a box. Because my conception of God up until this point was my conception of God coming from a mind which meant my God was in certain places and not in others. And the great assignment to do is write down our old conception of God. Write down our current conception of God and write down what I'd like to be with God in the future. How's that relationship going to look? Just to give me an idea of what I've been walking with. How many things am I willing to turn over to God? How many things am I not and why? I'll turn my drinking over to God, but my money not going to God. How come? How much fear do I have in that? Because God might give me something I don't like. Back to step one. How am I doing my life? Terrible. So step two is about restoring me to sanity, different thinking, different way of operating, my, a new GPS, I have a compass for the first time, and God's in charge of my life. Came to believe that this power is going to restore me to wholeness of mind, truth, sanity. It's really interesting. If I'm not thinking about a drink, chances are no drink is going in. And if no drink is going in, I'm not experiencing a phenomenon called craving. Hmm, I'm sober. And we're talking about permanent sobriety, guys. Permanent, day at a time, but permanent sobriety. No need to hang in there, day at a time, grinding it out. I'm in the process of experiencing permanent sobriety, and all we have to do is have a relationship with God, and there's a, there's a roadmap, it's called the 12 steps. Then we get into 10, 11, and 12, and, 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 and enhance that experience. 
to revisit the steps again and experience more God. More God, less self. Okay, I'm willing to go. Step two is my pointer to a solution. I'm leveled in one, and step two says, okay, here's the pointer. This power called God is going to give you a new mind, a renewing of the mind. And I will say this, not only the obsession has been lifted, but we can even the thought about drinking has been removed. In fact, the only time we use it is when we're 12-stepping someone to identify Here's what happened to me. This is how I thought about drinking. This is how I felt about drinking. My whole life revolved around a drink. We use it as a, to teach someone so they identify. I don't walk around going, drink issue, drink single. Oh my God, they drink, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> and the things that accompany alcoholism, the untreated alcoholism, the bedevilments on page 52, or the sprees, because alcoholism will go underground and resurface in other areas. Sex sprees, food sprees, money sprees, thinking sprees, fear sprees, anger sprees, sprees. Removed. How's my condition with God doing? From last Tuesday till tonight, how did I do? How many times have I surrendered to God? How many times have I asked God for forgiveness? How many times did I get locked up into my own thinking and God forbid I should get out of my own way and go be of service to others? A little gut check, see how I'm doing. Right? A great assignment. Uh, take a look at the bedevilments on page 52. Just do a little spot check. Where am I with this? Take statements, flip them into questions. Having trouble in personal relationships. How are my personal relationships going? And I'm talking about the little spat with the spouse. You know, that happens sometimes. Make it angry or the guy cutting you off. I'm too much trouble in personal relationships. In fact, when people aren't around me, I'm still having trouble. I've still got stuff going on. Replaying a lot of things. Full of fear. Can't be of help to other people. I'm a prey to misery and depression. I'm constantly in that thing and I can't get out. There's something wrong with my spiritual condition. Perceptions of a situation causing pain and suffering. Rarely the reality of it. My perceptions about everything. Cause me pain and suffering because I'm self-absorbed, self-seeking. And what do I do with that? I point fingers and then I drink. And when I'm clear that this G.O.D. group of drugs, the good old directional, whatever conception of God we have, chapter two agnostic tells our own conception, no matter how inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach. What great news! I have to go back to my, my, my religious God or my parents' God or anyone else's God, my conception of God. Book says that's good enough. Group of drunks, good only direction, Buddha, Allah, we don't care. As long as it's not you or a doorknob. Have you heard this one? Like the doorknob is my higher power. What happens when it breaks? Step three is about making a decision to get to this power. Am I willing to turn my will and life over to care of God as I currently understand him? If I still think I can run this show on my, on my own, I will not do this. I have to be convinced it tells me that my life when on self-will can hardly be a success. That no human power can relieve me of my alcoholism, drunk or sober. I'm an alcoholic and cannot manage my own life, drunk or sober. That God could and would if he was sought. Am I seeking? How do I get to this God and why should I go there in the first place? Well, first of all, I want to get sober. 
I need to have a relationship with God. It seems to be working for you. It seems to be working for you, so sign me up. Well, how do I get that? Our book's going to lay out in a very clear path how to experience God. That's why there's like over 200 fellowships that come out of AA. It's considered the greatest spiritual movement because it gets people like us well. How does that happen? How do I go from page 62 where I'm consumed with me to page 63 where it's less and less about me and more and more about contributing to life? The shift has happened. 62 is consuming me. Selfish and self-centered, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking. I step on other people's toes and they retaliate and then I get angry with you. Troubles of my own making, it tells me, which means it's an internal condition. When the book says troubles were of our own making, it's an internal condition because that's where it starts, not an external one, which means I have to go in before I go out. The journey to find this powerful God I've always found is going in, and the steps are going to go in. The steps, the book, is not aimed at the mind. It's aimed right at the spirit. Wake it up. Get rid of me. Find out what God is by finding out what God is not. Find out who I be by finding out who I am not. It's about removal. The process of recovery is about removal, never addition. It's about subtraction, never addition. The less self, the more God. Everything has to be removed. What lengths am I willing to go to? When I saw it work in others, I was willing to do it against step one. If I'm having a problem with turning my real life over to care of God in three, I got a step one problem. There are conditions on this. When I got to step three, I really didn't care where I was going. All I know is staying sober. Somehow I'm staying sober. I'm praying every day. I'm going to meetings. My sponsor took me through one and two. I'm still sober. Okay, let's keep moving. Again, it was a massive matter of willingness to continue to experience this God. And step three was just a decision. I've heard too many people say, I'm working the third step. What does that mean? Hanging around, waiting for a drink. My sponsor do me the first three, do the first three steps and the first year don't go any further. <coughs> a step a year. No way in the big book does it say that. But we can plan a funeral for you. How do I do step three? Four through nine. How do I turn it over? Four through nine. And I have to relinquish everything. <coughs> And so when I got to step three, my sponsor had me write the prayer out word for word. There's some different language in that. God, I offer myself to thee, to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Some different language than what I was used to. So in order to have this book internalized, have my own personal experience with it, it had to be broken down. What is this third step prayer telling me? By the way, the third step prayer is just an affirmation of the conditions on page 62 and 63. He's the father, I'm the child. He's the director. He runs my life. He's the employer, I work for God. He's the principal, I'm his agent. What does an agent do? Represents the principal. We represent God. How am I doing with that task? It tells me that. I need to be an effective agent for God. Am I willing to live along these terms? To get reborn in AA? If I'm willing to do that, we close up that with the third step prayer. And so I looked at the third step prayer. My sponsor had me write it out word for word in my own language. What does God offer myself to thee actually mean? What does to build with me and do with me as thou wilt mean in my language? And I wrote it out. 
And then what my sponsor did with me and all my sponsors done, I do it all the men I sponsor. We go off quiet, we get on our knees, we hold hands, and we do the third step prayer together. And it's really interesting when we do that, we're telling God, my life is no longer any of my business. I'm asking God for you to take this broken toy and fix it the way you think it should be fixed in your time. And what I'm going to do with this third step decision is not sit tight, but immediately, next, I launch out to a course of vigorous action for. That's how I turn it over. And God will start to manifest as that pen gets pushed. God will start to manifest in my life when I see things that I say, how did I remember this? Where is this coming from? I thought I forgot this. And clarity will start to show up on the paper. The, four, the, 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 the inventory almost comes three-dimensional at some point. It comes alive because God's pushing. It starts with a decision in three. Am I willing to live on terms other than my own? Am I willing to follow someone else's rules, not mine anymore? And I can approach this third step with any conception of God I want. It really doesn't make a difference. Am I willing to grow? And I remember the first time I did the third step prayer with my sponsor. We got on our knees. And this was new. I'm on the knees with another guy who was my sponsor. And he's holding my hands. And he closed his eyes and I was looking like this. Just to make sure. <laughs> I might live in Florida, but I was born and raised in Brooklyn. You know? <laughs> When I looked at him, he was, he was all over it. This was more important to him, I think, than me. He knew what I was about to do. He was all in. He was a journeyman. And he was a street guy, but he was an AA. He knew this was a God movement here. Not to be played with. And he took his responsibility as a sponsor greatly. I have a sick and suffering young man in front of me. I can't play with his life. This is no joke. I know what he's in for. He's just willing. And, and we held hands with third step prayer together. And he didn't say, okay, hang around for a year. He opened up the big book and said, let's start step four. My willingness to turn it over showed in my inventory writing. And great things started to happen. How am I doing now? In, in, in continuing to seek God, continuing to turn every part of my life over to God. Maybe we're sober five years. Maybe we're sober a year. Maybe we're sober uh, double digits. How does that look now? Am I turning over to God or am I, you know, pulling back little by slowly? I'm running the show here. I'm running the show there. I seem to be doing a pretty good job there. Taking credit for the good things and blaming others for the bad things. How am I doing with that currently? What's it really look like? Am I experiencing a reemergence of ego? Because it'll happen. And page 52 starts to creep back again. The same way I go through the steps forwards, we can go through the steps backwards. And at the end of that is a drink. Not really working with anyone, cutting back on meetings. I'm gold, I'm good to go. I'll start next week. I'm going to get into the big book next week. I'm going to do my sponsor's writing assignment next week. And I keep waiting because I'm starting to feel good. And I'm really back to feeling good instead of getting better. And I'm really trying to stay sober because I have a reputation to keep. Not out of, not out of a sense of urgency. And my 11-step practice is out the window. I'm not really meditating. I meditate while I'm driving on 95. Not even. <laughs> 
I pray when I have time. My prayer went from 20 minutes to like two or three minutes. So the prayer goes out. There's no nightly review. I'm not, I'm not accountable to anyone. Step 10 is gone. I'm not making amends promptly. I'm not doing any kind of spot checks during the day. That's for you to do. And I'll give a great talk on why you should do it, but I don't really apply it. My amends list is not completed. My, my eight-step list goes to, goes to hell with the ninth-step. Defects of character running the show. I think I can work on my defects, which means I'm trying to swim in the mud. Good effort ain't going to work. I'm not discussing anything with anyone. I have no inventory in a long time. There's no turning it over. I'm God. How can I meet God if I'm God? Insane thoughts are coming back. I'm acting out sexually. I have fear. I have all these defects of character. And guess what? Drunk. And you say, how did he? he, was, he what? I thought he went through the steps. Yeah, he went backwards too. Because the ego told him he's great, told her he's great. I don't need constant vigilance. I don't need to continue to seek this God and grow in understanding and effectiveness. And if anyone, and I start with me, think I'm immune to that kind of treatment for my illness, I'm really delusional. Get another speaker. Alcoholism doesn't care how long I'm sober. In fact, God forbid, 25 years sober, if I was to pick up a drink tonight, it would be as if I'd been drinking for the last 25 years. Pull me out of a dumpster. If I get a 22 and just end it for me right now, because I've got an idea what I'm in for. Now, fear is not going to keep me sober. Fear of the consequences is not going to work, because our book says, well, outgrow fear. What's my relationship with God look like, huh? So I make this decision willingly in three. I don't want any part of my thinking. I want no part of my ego. I want no part of me. I don't want me. I want this guy called God, the spirit that you're telling me is whole, is pure, is honest, is complete, is, is, is pristine, is consistent, is all love and no opposite. It doesn't have a scorecard on me. How do I get there? And you're telling me it's not going to make me drink anymore. Where do I go? I don't care how far I got to run. I don't want to be a sprinter. I'm a marathon runner here. I'm going. I'm going all in. It's the narrow gate, guys. It's the very narrow road. It's easy to walk the wide road and the wide gate. All of us will pass through there. Instant gratification, some self-indulgence, and then the emotional hangover and a drink to get rid of it. I hate to say this, but it's true. The minority of our fellowship is in the book, really in the book. The minority of our fellowship can claim to be recovered. Why is that? Why? No one has special privileges on God or the book. The Dauphine right now is just as much God in him or her as the Pope in Rome. It's open, we believe, to all men. So I made this decision with my sponsor in three. And we began step four. Incredible things began to happen as uncomfortable as I was made in four. Got to shake it up to wake it up. Got to rattle the cage so it comes to the surface and we see what's, what's, what's underneath the surface after the drink and what's going on within me. And the pen became a spiritual translator and little by slowly I start to experience more of God. And if God has me back here next week, we'll talk about that. That's all I got.